Morning, everyone. If we have not met, it is true. My name is Dan. And I get to speak to you this morning. I'm part of the team here. It's lovely to see you all. And I'm going to jump straight in. And really, there is one point to what I'm going to say today, is that God has called us to be a healing church. And we're continuing working through the book of Acts where we see that the apostles get to continue what Jesus' mission was. And this particular passage is actually the third, it's part of the third description of what the church was meant to be like. And today we're looking at how the church is to be a place of healing. So firstly, a bold statement is that actually I believe all healing is from God. Whether indirect, so you might cut your finger, and in the morning, it doesn't hurt anymore. That is your body healing itself. I would argue that that is because God, who as a church we believe is sovereign, that he allows us every breath. It's because God has worked through your body to make it heal. I would also argue that healing through the medical profession is also under God's sovereignty. That is another way that God can heal kind of indirectly, that uh, science and medical interventions can tell us kind of how the body works. But it's Jesus who makes it work. He's the force behind it. He kind of gives us the big why it would do it that way. And if you're here and you believe in God, then I guess I want to pose this as a question. Why wouldn't you believe that God could heal this way? And there's also the direct way that God heals, the miraculous way that God heals. And I want us to kind of take quite a long run up into our text this morning, because I want to show that this is a big theme of scripture. That actually in the Old Testament, in Exodus, God says, I am the God who heals. And he's not just saying, this is something I do, but this is who I am. I can play football but I am not a footballer. I am a pastor, and I love pastoring people, and actually, if I didn't have this job, and this was some of the complaints of my previous bosses, that actually I was more interested in pastoring the people than doing the accounts, which is what I used to do. God is a healer. He is a healer. It's not just something he does. It is one of his names. It is one of his attributes that he loves to heal. And so throughout the Bible, we see this theme kind of being worked out. David in the Psalms writes, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. And this is kind of one of the other themes that comes out, is often God is wanting to forgive our sins, our iniquities, and he's wanting to heal us, that they often go together in Scripture. There are many, many stories in the Old Testament where God does healings through miraculous means. Samuel, the prophet Samuel is born because his mother Hannah is healed of a barren womb. There are various stories, uh, healings of leprosy. So uh, Miriam and Nahum on different occasions. Hezekiah, interestingly, he was healed of what was called a terminal illness and he was granted another 15 more years to live. 
Because actually this is kind of one, of one of the other aspects of physical healing is that it's only temporary. Because actually our bodies continue to decay afterwards. Nebuchadnezzar was healed of his madness. And there are many, many other stories. So we see that God is a healer. And then in Isaiah, there's a prophecy about a healer who is coming. And it says in Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that's talking about Jesus, his pierced hands. And the fact that our sin, our iniquity was laid upon him, but also it says that through Jesus, our wounds can be healed. And this is 400 years before he, Jesus is born. It's telling us what he's gonna do. And then when he starts his ministry, John the Baptist, his disciples come to Jesus and they're saying, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who's come to save us? And what Jesus says to them is, tell John what you have seen. In Luke 7:22, he says, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And then throughout Jesus' ministry, he sees many, many healings. The dead are raised, there's good news preached. We did a bit of an activity in the office to count how many kind of separate instances of specific healing are there, because there's lots of general ones as well, but there's, we got up to 26 specific accounts. Simon, I'm not gonna go through all 26, but just a little taste. Uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law had a fever and Jesus heals her. There's healing of various lepers, there's healing of the paralytic who was lowered through the roof. Two blind men were healed, a deaf man was healed, another blind man was healed at the pool in Bethsaida. An epileptic boy was healed, another blind man, and another blind man. So Jesus saw many, many people miraculously healed. And there's this flow that God heals, and then Jesus heals, and then Jesus in John 14, 14, he says these words. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And this is really for me one of the most kind of faith-inspiring, faith-building verses in the Bible that Jesus has said that if we believe in him, we can do and see some of the things that he did and he saw. He's specifically talking to the apostles in this instance and saying if they believe, they can see healing works too. And there's like a, an increasing circle of people who can expect to see healing. 
And through the sermons over uh, throughout Acts, we uh, have seen the kind of uh, the outworkings of what a Christian community should look like. That the early church is forming and growing, taking shape with, with a few distinctives. Distinctive number one is that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has come and that as we invite him to, he uh, indwells within us. That the church is to be a place of God's presence where the city can meet God. That it's to be a community of prayer. And last week we were looking how it's to be a place of holiness. And today it's a place of healing. We read of a, about a single healing in Acts 3 where Peter and John were walking to the temple and they pray for a lame man who then jumps up. But actually, this was just one example of what was going on throughout Acts. So we're going to jump into today's verses now. So we're in Acts 5, just four verses, 12 to 16. I'm going to read them twice. The first time I will not interrupt. The second time I will interrupt often. Verse 12 says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. That as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So this is just a mind-blowing scenario. So, a couple of the th things I want us to notice in this text. It starts, now many signs. Signs, signposts, they point towards something. I'm stating the obvious, but I don't want us to miss this. That these signs are pointing towards Jesus. And they were being done regularly, so this was not an uncommon thing. And they were being done at the hands of the apostles, particularly. They were all together, so there was a sense of them being unified in Solomon's portico, which was kind of just outside the temple. It was a bit of a meeting place for everyone. None of the rest, none of the other people in the towns uh, would dare to join them. And we heard a lot about this last week, that there was a sense of awe, a sense of reverence that God was amongst these people. But the people still held them in high esteem. And it's, it's these two things going together. And then verse 14 is kind of the, the, the most important verse in this passage today, that more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. This is the outworking of these healings, that Jesus' mission is being continued vigorously. So they bring out uh, the sick people and that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on them. I mean, I can't imagine what that must be like. No one's ever got healed from my shadow. And 
there's something almost kind of mysterious and mystical. And I think what Luke wants us to pick up is there's something very Jesus-like about this. And in Acts as well, we can read about Paul's handkerchiefs that they were kind of fell on people and other people got healed as well. But the point is, it's not the shadow, it's not the handkerchief, it's Jesus who does the healing. So I want us to kind of uh, pull these things together that the healings were, they were by Jesus, they point to Jesus and they were for Jesus's ongoing mission. You know, we can be struck by kind of how our bodies get indirectly healed. How God can, you know, we can cut our finger, we can be amazed at medical science. I was chatting with a guy who works for Philips and he was telling me about this kind of robotic stent technology that I didn't really understand, but what stuck with me was that the doctor didn't have to be in the same room as the patient. They could be on the other side of the world and they can do this microsurgery. And that blows my mind. And actually, partly, it makes me want to worship God. That he has given us wisdom and knowledge that can make this happen. But I don't want us to miss that it is Jesus who creates the mechanisms for it to happen. Jesus is the one behind every healing, whether direct or indirect. So I definitely want to argue today that the Bible kind of points to the fact that we can expect healing today. And in a bit, I'll talk about why we don't see it as much as perhaps we'd like to. But I've already sort of said how the way Luke writes the book of Acts is that it's a reflection of the book, the gospel. So where the church is kind of growing and on display and seeing miracles, it's a mirror of what Jesus was doing. Jesus' words still apply that amazing verse in John 14, 14, where Jesus says, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. That still applies today, and it applies to each one of us. More specifically, in the book of uh, James, uh, he writes, he writes this in James 5, 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So there's, there's healing and forgiveness together again, but also there's an expectation from James that other people can pray for the sick, that they can lay hands on the sick was kind of one of the mechanisms that keeps cropping up in Acts. And as a, as a leader team, this is something we take seriously, that healing isn't exclusively for elders to do. But if you are sick and you would like an elder, one of the leaders of the church to pray for you, then we're really into that. We'd welcome it. And Paul, he writes to the church in Corinth, um, and he's pointing to Jesus. But the language he uses is that we can all receive kind of Holy Spirit gifts. And one of those is healing. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. So the Apostle Paul is expecting 
the church, everyone in the church, to be given these gifts. Not all of them, not all of the time, but to receive these gifts of healing. And these are gifts that we believe are still available to us today, that we love to ask for them. And there are other gifts of the Spirit too, that we love uh, gifts of prophecy, of hospitality, of teaching, as well as the gift of healing. To my reading, there seems to be nothing in the Bible that suggests that miracles should stop in this book. But I haven't seen many miracles in my life. And I imagine your life is similar. So I want us to ask the question, why doesn't Jesus heal more today? Maybe some of us have never seen a miracle. Because scripture says that Jesus is willing, that he is the healer. So it says that he's willing, that he's able, but not everyone gets healed. And actually in Jesus' ministry, you see that sometimes the, the wording is that Jesus healed all that came to him. And sometimes it's more that Jesus healed some that came to him. That Jesus, the healings are a sign, is, the, is kind of the, the means to the ends. It's not the end in itself, but the point is that actually in Jesus' day, not everyone got healed as well. And when Jesus comes, we're kind of in this, I, I call it the now and the not yet. Jesus encourages us to pray, may your kingdom come. Yet Jesus was preaching, the kingdom of God is here. And both are true. We're to keep praying, God, may your kingdom come, that the restoration of all things has started, but it won't be complete until Jesus has returned. It's a little bit like these kind of warm spring days we've been having, that it's been, the sun has been out and uh, we can enjoy it, but it's pointing towards summer. It's not summer yet, and we know we've got some wet weeks coming but we're in this springtime and, and the kind of the now and the not yet is similar. That Jesus has come that through his death and resurrection we can expect uh, and hope for and pray and have faith for miracles to happen. But not every time we pray are they gonna happen because only, that will only happen when Jesus has fully come back. And when he doesn't heal today, we wanna keep holding on to the fact that he is good, that he is still willing, that he is still able. One commentator said this about when God doesn't heal. He said, we must affirm that he can do it, but has chosen not to, since he has something better to achieve through our suffering. Now, pastorally, we want to be careful how we say that. But I think we can hold on to the truth to it, truth of it, that if God hasn't healed me today, then he's got something better for me than healing today. And finally, simply, why doesn't Jesus heal more today? Well, I don't think we ask that often. And what I've noticed is when I don't ask, I don't tend to get. I wanna talk a little bit about my experience of healing. 
And this is not the moment where I reveal that I am this miraculous guy that you've never met before. But what my journey is, is that God has been faithful in different situations. That I have some faith, but I want to have more faith. When I was a teenager, um, I had something, the doctors called it reactive arthritis, but they never knew what it reacted to. Different joints would swell. And at one point, my hip was swollen. And uh, actually, it caused them to kind of be uh, twisted. So I walked with a limp. I had a walking stick. And uh, it was as if one leg was longer than the other. I went on a church youth activity camp. I was there for the socializing because I wasn't able to participate in the activities. And uh, at the end of one of the, the, the kind of the Bible studies, they said, uh, can we pray for you? And I, I remember Meryl Dennington, uh, she kind of, I sat on a chair, she held my ankles, and there was a crowd of people around, and you could kind of see my legs were different lengths because my hips were twisted, and they prayed. And as they prayed, I didn't see, my eyes were closed. But as they prayed, my legs, it was as if my leg grew. My hips were kind of realigning. And it wasn't 100%, but it was significantly better. And kind of from that moment on, healing began to continue. And I was left just with this feeling of, this Jesus really is real. And he really does see me. Another time, more recently, in my 30s, I had a ruptured disc. It was push it, sciatica, pushing against my sciatic nerve. So I didn't, it took me a while to figure it out. I thought I'd pulled a muscle, because that's where I was feeling the pain. But it was in my back. And months went on, and it wasn't getting better. In the end, I went to a doctor who sent me for an MRI, and he said, look, your back is a mess. <laughs> to which I said, that's not good. He said, no, I want to operate. To which I said, hang on, <laughs> this is our first meeting. Let me get to know you a bit better first. And uh, I then went to the elders and I said, please pray for me. I've got this doctor, I've only met him once, and he wants to fuse my discs. And uh, the elders prayed for me. And in that moment, I sensed something had happened. And this was maybe six months of discomfort with no sign of healing. And Again, from that day, my back began to heal. The pain began to go. I never went back to that doctor. But obviously I felt huge gratitude towards Jesus that, that he'd, you know, he'd reminded me yet again that he's the one who can heal. He's the one who can save. Now neither to my kind of vaguely scientific mind, I wanted cut and dry, 100%, instantaneous. But I knew that Jesus did something miraculous in those moments, and they were signs for me pointing towards Jesus. Now, I've prayed, as I'm sure many of you had, when someone is sick, you pray for their healing. It's kind of a, a, a reflex. And I've seen some sort of healings. So I've seen some headaches disappear. I got to pray for a lady uh, on the streets of Johannesburg and the pain in her leg just disappeared and she started 
leaping and exclaiming in Sutu, and I didn't really understand it, but I think Jesus was glorified. Uh, a couple of years ago, I got to pray for uh, a friend of mine called Werner, who some of you may know, he'd broken his collarbone. He'd come off his scooter, broken his collarbone um, about a week or two before and was just in a lot of pain. And uh, we prayed, and again, the pain just dissipated. There was just this small amount left at the end. But again, for him, that pain never came back. So I've got some faith to pray for healing, but I've seen many, many people, more people who haven't got healed. And at the moment, I'm currently in my world, as I'm sure is similar to yours, I feel like I'm experiencing some of the extremes of uh, people with physical brokenness, with emotional brokenness, with sexual brokenness, and God hasn't healed them yet. But I'm holding on to the knowledge that he is good, that he is willing, that he's able, that we're in this now and not yet, but maybe, just maybe, he might heal them today. And so, I'm gonna keep persisting. I know that I'm prone to interpreting who God is via my experiences of life. Maybe you are too. If, if my prayers aren't answered immediately, I can begin to have doubts. I can begin to think that maybe God can't do it or maybe he doesn't wanna do it and I wanna get my definition of who God is from the Bible first and foremost. Also remembering that healing isn't a reward for holiness. We all failed at that one. Healing isn't a reward for holiness, it's all free. Our forgiveness, our holiness we get to receive from Jesus, it's all free. So I want us to get a little bit more practical with what I'm talking about, and then in a, a little while, I'm gonna ask if anyone would like to be prayed for healing. A word about faith, though. Remember, it's not us who heals anyone. It wasn't Peter who healed anyone. It was Jesus through Peter. And I often hold in mind, um, there's a scene in Mark 9 where there's a father of a child and the, the child is deeply disturbed and the father wants him to be healed. And they have this discussion and, excuse me, and Jesus kind of says, well, you know, have you got some faith, do you believe? And the father replies, I believe, help my unbelief. And I feel like that's, that's kind of where my heart is at. I, I, I believe Jesus can do this, but I have doubts. And I think that's okay. We can say, Jesus, help me in my unbelief. That if you're here today and you'd say, I'm a follower of Christ, actually you're already expressing faith. You're expressing faith in Jesus, in his death and resurrection and the forgiveness that he can give you. And this is a great place to start praying for others for healing. I think it was John Wimber who said that faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Faith is spelt risk because there's a point at which you get to the end of yourself and you're trusting God. So sometimes we just have to step out. And it might be that 
someone doesn't get healed and it might be that all they experience is God's love, which is quite amazing, but if they're looking for healing, there might be a bit of disappointment. But there might not be. The other side of it is there might be this miraculous healing that will also point towards Jesus. Five simple steps. Because I'm hoping, and my part of my prayer for all of us this week is we will meet some sick people and we will have the boldness to say, can I pray for you? Here's what to do. Number one, ask them what's wrong. Ask them if they're currently experiencing pain. Don't assume you know or you can see it. Might be like me, I walked with a, a bad leg, but it was my back that was healed. So ask them what's wrong. The Bible um, encourages us to lay hands on the person. Now, be appropriate, be sensitive, do it in faith. And then simply, and with as much faith as you have, ask for the Holy Spirit come and ask for God to heal. Jesus' prayers for healing seem to be very, very short. And ours can be as well. I encourage you to keep your eyes open because often when people are open to God, God does slightly different things. And you might see that on them. Maybe their hands might shake or their eyelids might flutter or there might be one of the other kind of physical manifestations that are talked about in the Bible when the Holy Spirit comes. But keep your eyes open and see if God's doing something. And then step four is to ask them how they're doing. Has the pain gone? And it might have done, it might not have done. And you can also ask, this is a really important question, do they sense God doing something? Because if God's doing something, then the sign is doing its job. It's pointing to Jesus. And then you can talk about, well, what's he doing? What are you feeling? And then I would encourage to pray again. Often you need to pray more than once. There's an incidence where Jesus is praying for a blind man and he says, what can you see? He says, I can see trees. And then Jesus prays again. And then his sight is fully restored. So my conviction is this, that as we do this more, we as a church are going to become a healing church, that we will see more people miraculously healed, that these signs are going to point towards Jesus. Like in today's passage, we'll become a healing church. So hopefully I've shown you that the healing through the Bible, it starts with God's character, his name. Jesus then comes as the healer. He then says that the Holy Spirit's available to Peter and to us. And the expectation of the apostles is that there was healing in the church. Healing always points to a greater reality. It's a sign and a wonder to point to Jesus. In many respects, a, a miraculous healing isn't miraculous, but it's actually putting the world right. It's a restoration work. It is kind of miraculous, but it's not a new thing. It's a return to what God intended and what he will do. We're going to pray for healing, but we're going to take communion first because I want us to first look to Jesus. This final verse um, refers back to a time where the Israelites had been bitten by snakes and God says to Moses, put a snake on a staff and have everyone look to it. 
have everyone look to it. And when they looked to this snake on this staff, they were healed. And Jesus picks up on this physical healing in John 3.14 and he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whomever believes in him may have eternal life. So we want to look first to Jesus. He was the one who was lifted up. That is really possible that we're here kind of thinking I've got this ailment, but actually Jesus, and this is a deeper work, he wants to heal our hearts. He wants to heal, our, restore our relationship with him. Healing may be a sign or a wonder where he does it, but it's always pointing to who he is. This is the ultimate healing that is available to us today, that we can look to Jesus, that any physical healing is just a temporary one, but as we look to Jesus, as we believe in him, so we have everlasting life, a non-temporary healing. Can I invite you to stand? I'm gonna pray quickly and then hand over to Matt. Yeah, Father God, we thank you that you're a God who loves to heal and a God who loves to restore. And I wanna invite your Holy Spirit here now to be amongst us. Pray that you might give us faith, God, that, that God, when I think about miraculous healings in today's world, it feels like it's going in the other direction to what those who don't believe you would say and acknowledge. But Jesus, we, we are countercultural in so many ways. Starting by believing in your son, Jesus, who died for us, who can forgive us of our sins. So Father, I pray for faith to fall as we, yeah, as we take communion, as we worship and as we pray. Thank you that you are restoring in us what you want us to be. Thank you that we can look forward to that day when we can see you face to face with heavenly bodies. Amen.